today on the Button Up Podcast, we have Teddy Baldassar from the YouTube, Instagram channels. Teddy Baldassar, welcome. Thank you so much, John, Brock. It's a pleasure to be on. Absolutely. So we like to start off early in the phase. We're both Midwest guys, and we want to learn a little bit about your backgrounds. We'll talk about you know YouTube channel, because I think of you as like a watch channel, but I also like the videos you do on you know the, the fashion industry in general. you got a watch strap line you're going, so I really want to dig into each of those. But uh, let's start off with where you grew up and how you got here. Yeah, for sure, man. So uh, I'm 24 years old. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, east side suburbs, uh, so represent that. Um, I went to the University of Dayton for undergrad, I guess starting back from square one, kind of probably where the beginning stages of me loving content. Uh, I was one of the early, like an early adopter of YouTube. I remember being in like sixth grade watching YouTubers, like, you know, I was watching like Shane Dawson, Philip DeFranco, a guy I still watch today. And I just fell in love with the platform. And I, I just eventually I always knew in the back of my mind, I'm like, I, I want to create content. That's really what I love to do. And fast forward now to probably the second component of how this all came together was high school. I definitely had a uh, pretty, I'd say maybe bipolar experience in high school. There were a lot of ups, a lot of downs. One of the downs was when I just constantly struggled with my weight. I was around 225 pounds. I just honestly hated the image of myself in the mirror. And I remember losing uh, 75 pounds. I, would, I got on the treadmill one day after being in gym class and being made fun of because what we would do at the beginning of gym class was, oh, you have to do 10 push-ups. Let's do our warm-up. And I couldn't do one of them. And I just remember being ridiculed to the very point uh, where I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. October 10th, 2010. Let's make a change. So that that day, I'm like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna work out every single day. And then I say six seven months later, 75 pounds down, and I got really into working out and lifting. But once I got to the end of that, I also realized that doesn't really matter what image you're reflecting out to other people for your own internal satisfaction. Of course, it you know how you portray yourself means a lot for other people, but that internal satisfaction and actualization that I was looking for wasn't able to be achieved through just losing weight. So another thing that I gravitated towards was getting into style and just dressing the best way possible. That was something I always kind of clung on to in college, but I always had uh, limited money and resources to do it uh, as a college student. I think many people can understand that. And once I got out of school, I started investing more into my wardrobe. And now looking back in hindsight, I realized I could have started much earlier. I just would have thought about building a wardrobe more effectively. So how the whole YouTube channel started was um, I got into uh, digital advertising first out of school. And then I eventually made uh, my transition into a software startup. Uh, I'm a pretty entrepreneurial guy. I studied that in uh, college uh, as well as communication. So this whole digital content entrepreneurship thing kind of followed me for a while. And one day I was just sitting in my room and I was looking around. I wanted to create content, but I didn't really know where to start. And I look in my closet and I'm like, hmm, I'm interested in that. I see all my, you know, all my clothes there. And then I look over at my watch box. I'm like, hmm, I have, you know, a pretty well-developed watch collection. I'm also into that. And I'm like, you know what? I have something here where I can at least start with. Um, it might not be the eventual end game, but it's certainly a passion of mine. So let's just let's put out a video. So I had a watch collection. It's pretty well developed. I think, you know, I was really interested in just looking at other people's, you know, collections and videos. That was the type of content I enjoyed watching. So like, why not just do, you know, the own thing for my own collection? So I put that out on the internet and didn't really have any expectations for it. And a couple months, it got like, you know, a few 10,000 views. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Let's, let's keep going with this. Put out a couple more videos. And then gradually over the last like, 
six to eight months have been able to, you know, I think we're about to pass 10,000 subscribers and it was just kind of luck to be honest and just being able to put out some content that I was interested in. So that's a little bit about me and kind of how this all came to happen. Yeah. Now when you decided, I would like peel, peel back a little bit when you decided to go and you know, you wanted to lose some weight, is that something that you turned to YouTube at that point? Because I know today there's a lot of fitness, but how did, you know, what were some of the details that you were like, all right, now I'm going to make this big change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're actually pointing out a really good um, point as well in the fact that I was completely, I was an autodidact, completely self-taught in that area. I really went to school for exercise science, and YouTube was one of the key foundations for me learning more about uh, just how to work out, how to how to lose weight, and I was absorbing just a ton of information. I found the platform so helpful, and I think just using that experience and realizing how valuable it was for me. I'm like, hmm, I think subconsciously I realized if I could do that in other areas and help other people out in avenues that maybe I have some information to share in, you know, that, that might be something good for me to pursue. So I think that's a good point. Yeah, that's definitely a way in which I kind of got started and was able to just develop enough knowledge base to go ahead and go forward and losing that weight. A similar uh, In a similar vein, when you started getting into style and watches, were there any like channels or websites or magazines or you know influencers for lack of a better word that you were uh, following or that maybe when you started your channel you kind of wanted to emulate? I mean, I pull inspiration from a lot of different places um, in and out of the watch uh, space. Honestly, I'd say one of my biggest inspirations is uh, Philip DeFranco. I think he does it so well when it comes to compartmentalizing information and always keeping the content moving. One thing that I always notice, there's a lot of watch YouTubers that of course I like a lot um, and I watch their content as well as I watch your guys' content. So I'm really happy to be connecting with you guys. You guys certainly had some effect on me developing my own style and loving your guys' reviews and products you guys push is really helpful for me. Uh, but one thing I noticed, at least in you know the watch and sometimes the style space, was there's a lot of rambling. And the type of content that I like is just to the point, a lot of brevity, and just keeping the content moving at all moments. And that's kind of where I bring in Philip DeFranco, because I think he does such a fantastic job of always just making the point, moving on to the next piece. There's always some type of content that's keeping you engaged. And that's kind of what I like to do with my content. If I am questioning whether I'm rambling too much or I'm talking too much, I already know the answer, so I just shut up. But that, that that's probably uh, where I get the most inspiration from. Yeah, I man, I totally agree about Philip DeFranco. Like, I, I think no matter whether or not you like the guy, his editing and his delivery is so dense. Like, there's so much data in however however many minutes you know his his video is. I've actually tried to change my editing and delivery style to be a little closer to his in terms of like signal to noise ratio. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, and that's a good point, too. I mean, I've been following him since, like, 2006. I mean, or whatever he started making videos, and he's always kind of had that, but I think he's really found, um, like, a home now and just his type of content, and he's doing some really cool things. So a uh, big inspiration of mine, for sure. When I think of the part of his success, and you can see that is in his, like, growth and his sustainability, is he's really, like, trained the audience into being used to the jump cuts, being used to the keep moving, and mm -hmm. so I think there's like a whole generation of YouTubers and you know, myself, all three of us included, that are just like, that's how you do it. Yep, that's right. And that's how people absorb content now. They expect that. Yeah, totally. Um, now, when you started your channel, did you, I, I know it was kind of an experiment and you were already involved in other entrepreneurial um, endeavors, but did you have any 
I guess, idea that it might be something you could do full time or any desire to do that? Or maybe after that first video did pretty well, did you think, hey, maybe this is something I could do? Yeah, I actually did. I think content's always been something I've loved to do. And I think I always approach my content with an entrepreneurial mindset. Like how could I potentially monetize this um, in a really tasteful way? And I think being a entrepreneur was something that always enticed me growing up. I totally grew up and had little side hustles here and there throughout college, high school. And, um, you know, like I mentioned, I kind of studied it in college, but um, I'll, I'll save my thoughts on studying entrepreneurship for another podcast because that's a long winded one. Um, I, I did you know, start seeing like, all right, you know what? I, I think you definitely can have an avenue to monetize this and just seeing what my interests were in content. Um, as things started progressing and it's happened so quick, like it's hard for me to kind of take a step back sometimes in like the last six months and, you know, getting, you know, a little engaged following. It's really cool. And thinking about, you know, Hey, there, there could be a way to, you know, make this a living for myself. It definitely crossed my mind. Maybe not at the, you know, the original point. I think I just wanted to go have fun and do something that I enjoyed, but whenever you can find a way to monetize your passion, I think that's, you know, the dream that a lot of people have. And it's starting to kind of come true for me um, and kind of what I see in the near future. Yeah, it seems like uh, for for your channel, the production quality and the way you were running the channel, even like when when you reached out um, to me for that interview, it was it was kind of a, a professional level of production and like channel management right out of the gate, which a lot of times you don't see. So it seems like maybe you did some planning or did you do a lot of planning or like learning about the gear and, and before you actually started? Um, I mean, not really. I think it's just always been, I, I actually, I'll, I'll say this. I did try to start a YouTube channel when I was in college. It was really cringy. It was all about like motivation. I mean, there, I remember one that comes to my mind where I made a video about like, oh, where's the, the wealthiest place in the world? And I'm like in this graveyard with like a $200 camcorder. It's, it's really, it's really cringy. It's, it's set private on the channel that I have right now. Um, but I, I think there was a process where I always liked video. And I think another important backstory is I do have a background originally in digital advertising. Um, and actually one of my buddies who owns a production company, um, he may have been the guy that reached out to you guys, uh, Mike. Um, he's kind of consulted with me a little bit about it, but really all I know in terms of, you know, building up a channel is, you know, I, I wanted to have the same approach that I would have in my data endeavors that I do with my, my channel. I think it's a professional way to do it. If you're trying to grow a channel quickly, I think that is the only way to do it. Um, so that was just kind of my approach. Like, how can I just come off in a professional manner at the point when I would reach out to you guys? I mean, I had what, like a thousand, 2000 subscribers. So I had to at least get your attention in some way. And I think just being persistent and following up and, you know, just being professional in the ask and, you know, just showing that you have some proof of concept before it. I think I had one interview to show at that point, I knew I could at least be like, all right, I mean, this might be enticing enough for them to get on and. And thankfully enough, you guys decided to take the plunge. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I do. I want to touch on the video series because I like doing it. And I like you just did, um, you know, Aaron Marino and, and Antonio. But when talking about being professional, you also work a full time job at a startup and you balance that with YouTube. So how do you manage your time a little bit? And then also, um, you know, how do you see that mix as you move forward? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of things shaking up for me right now in that department. Uh, first, though, it's it's been helpful to work at a company where I can work remote, uh, kind of dictate my own hours, which is uh, helpful as long as I get my tasks done. Um, I, you know, I'm pretty free about that. It's total millennial type workspace, as you probably expect with a startup. Um, so I'm thankful for that. But I mean, it's it's just a lot of a lot of weekend work, man. A lot of night work where you know you're 
a lot of people at my age, especially want to go out and have drinks and party. I, I kind of sacrifice that. It's, you know, of course it's just opportunity cost at all moments. And it, it is, it is hard finding the balance. I mean, you always have to be like, all right, how can I get my workout in? How can I, you know, get this stuff I need done at work? I need to even think about a commuting to work, you know, most days. So it is difficult by by no means. I think a lot of people they see behind they don't really see behind the scenes and how you know it is a time investment. Even to get out one video, like you know the amount of editing that goes into that, thought that goes into that, writing. I mean, I don't get in front of the camera and just wing things. I like to at least come from a stance of of knowledge before I go out and put something online. So um, it, it's difficult for sure. And then just kind of what's next for me when it comes to you know where uh, I kind of see the steps going. Um, I actually went ahead and uh, I'm going to be taking the move, uh, moving to work with my back in digital advertising with my one buddy who's kind of been assisting me uh, in some regard when it comes to uh, this content, or at least kind of providing some guidance on, you know, how I should, you know, shoot it, how I should edit it, light it and everything like that. Um, going to be working with him. So I'm actually moving from the company I was currently at to there and I'm going to have a, a, a kind of a more accommodating role. I, I do uh, front end uh, do, do sales. Um, this one would be more of an account manager role. So um, it, it'd be a little bit more flexible for me, but I mean, with the watch straps coming and I'm working on some other things to you know get money in the door, um, hopefully we can kind of get this expedited pretty quick where I could just be full time. That's awesome, man. That's exciting. I wonder if you could, uh, walk us through a little bit of your your actual process when you're producing a video because i know everybody does it differently and um yeah like do you script it out or like what, what does it look like oh i definitely script it out so i have an outline that i just kind of go through just setting it up if you go through my videos you can kind of see you know i always have a similar format that i go through kind of you know get the hook at the beginning get them interested present who i am and then i will kind of leave you know kind of the outline of like what we're going to be talking about in the video hit the intro um, but before that even happens, you know, I always do research, fill out that outline, and then I kind of use that as a talking point, just you know, bullet, little bullet points, just as you're giving like a speech in class, you know. Um, so there's my public speaking classes coming into play there, and uh, just shoot the video. I uh, usually can get that done quickly, so I try to usually I save my time a lot in the edit and when I'm shooting because I take some time on the pre-production side. Um, so I always try to put most of my time in that effort and then the last effort, um, of shooting it and then editing it is a little bit smoother. Um, so that, that's usually my process, uh, heavy load on the front end, just getting the re research, getting everything I'm going to kind of say in order and then, uh, just shooting it in very, very quick manner and then editing it. Yeah. I, I love that. That's similar to my process. I used to try to do it where it was like less, less work on pre-production and kind of try to make up for it on the back end. And it's so much easier to do that work up front. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, we've been talking about kind of the business side of things. Um, but I have to ask, you know, the three of us are all into watches. When did you, and I know you've talked about this on the channel, but for people who don't know, when, when did you start to fall in love with watches? It's kind of funny. Um, what really got me into watches was an Apple watch. You wouldn't think it because most people, when they hear Apple watch in the watch community, they're like, oh, the antichrist, get away, don't touch. Um, but when I first got an Apple watch, I remember looking down at it. I'm like, you know, it's, it's cool, but I don't really, I can't really justify having a watch that I really only use for working out. But once I sold it, I was like, you know what, I, I like, I like the, having some presence on my wrist. Um, so what I started doing was, you know, learning a little bit more about watches. I started, you know, buying watches. Of course, a lot of them were the fashion watches that we were bombarded with a lot. Um, on, especially on YouTube, which, I mean, you know, they serve their purpose for me. Um, but eventually I kind of wanted something more. I wanted something of history. I wanted to learn the history of horology and, you know, what is, you know, a timeless timepiece that I could wear. And I just started, you know, really diving into it a bit more. 
Um, you know, guys like TGV, of course, you know, was, you know, really paved the way in this space for that. Um, and Christian from Theodore and Harris, who I, who I know you guys both know as well. Um, you know, two guys that, you know, did a lot of great stuff when it comes to the YouTube content of things. But, you know, even on myself, you know, going on Hidinky, just reading a lot of different articles about different watches I could buy. And all that kind of came into uh, the culmination of me developing my own collection, of course, uh, with influence from a lot of different places. But uh, once I put out that video, you know, I was at a point where like, you know what, I, I figured out what watches I like, what watches I don't like, but I'm just going to use this as a kind of a screenshot of where things currently are. And I, I put out that video with almost the intention of knowing that the collection was going to change. And it's cool to have like a documented timeline of where my collection has gone, kind of the progression of it. Um, so it kind of all started with the Apple Watch and just fashion watches, which a lot of people, I think, in the space don't suspect. Um, but, you know, I just from there fell in love with them and, uh, you know, even kind of led to me to uh, discovering a family heirloom uh, that my family had and uh, from a great grandfather of mine that I'm named after. So um, that, that was kind of the seal uh, of the fate of me being in love with watches. And I don't see that going away anytime soon. Yeah, it is. Uh, I feel like a lot of people, you know, and especially like our generation kind of got into it in somewhat similar path where you just like started with a lot of these lower priced you know entry-level fashion watch brands which um i think actually tg uh tgv did a video about this where it was he was kind of saying like you have to give some credit to these brands for getting younger people into watches in the first place yeah yeah cause I, and I feel the same way because i think the first watch i started wearing regularly was like from the fifth and you know i still have it i don't wear it anymore but i i do you know appreciate them for getting me into watches these guys are great at digital marketing. Like there's no doubt about it. Like I admire them from a business aspect. I mean, I see their retargeting ads. They hit me all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, these guys are relentless. I love it. Um, as a guy in sales and marketing, I, I respect the hell out of it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, you know, just it's, it's a great way to just get in, get involved. I think it's a win in the entire watch community. I think I have I don't know if I have a popular opinion in this, but for people to at least maybe start there, you know, it's not the worst thing, you know, have them ask questions about, you know, Hey, why do you like this watch? And, you know, start educating them a little bit more about just the history that is, you know, watchmaking, you know, you might end up, you know, getting somebody that one day might own like a Rolex Submariner. Like I think those people that are buying the fifth watches could very likely be the people that keep this hobby alive going forward. And I think it's important to be accommodating to those people that are coming in and not be a snob saying, oh, you have a, a little fashion watch. That's cute. Like, no, that's, I think that's pathetic and it doesn't get us anywhere. And it's detrimental in a myopic view of how we can progress this forward as a, as a hobby and as a fellow enthusiast. I know I credit, I think I have said in a video that I credit Daniel Wellington with getting me interested in watches because I just like the design and now kind of progress that way. But so now one of the things you're really focused on and I like it's, you have this like watch strap project where you're trying to build a, I don't know if you're trying to build a brand, but you're, you're building watch straps based on your audience feedback. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what's been really crucial for me, and I mean, oh, I know so much. I have 10,000 subscribers, but I think what's allowed me to be successful to this point has been my engagement with my audience. I think when I tell people that I respond to like every comment and I'm going to continue to do so as long as it doesn't become to a point where I am completely overwhelmed and consumed. I, I want to keep doing that or at least find other ways in which I can connect with my audience because without them, I am simply nothing. Uh, I'm just a guy talking to a camera with some interest and some, maybe some nice things to say. 
So one thing I started doing was uh, I wanted to find avenues of getting money in the door. I didn't want to have to just sell out completely yet in terms of just promoting products maybe I wasn't as crazy about. And when you're first starting, it's, it's really difficult to even say no to anything. So I was in a comfortable point in which I was like, all right, you know, I'm not starving. I have a job. I can, you know, you know help promote this channel and promote myself. I don't have a wife to take care of. This is fine. I can I can handle this. So. Uh, I started by, you know, positioning the watch straps as a way to get revenue. And honestly, it, I did it first because I wanted feedback. I think if you're trying to find your, you know, value proposition in a market and figure out your market fit, you need to talk to the customers. So those customers happen to be uh, my followers and my viewers. So of course I wanted their feedback. It just seemed like second nature to ask people before I put thousands of dollars into like, you know, researching and, you know, putting in orders with different manufacturers with these straps that I would at least get some feedback on what people like and what people don't like, because they're going to be the potential buyers of it. So that was just kind of my approach. I put together, you know, like little forms and got feedback. I mean, it was just simple pictures I took with my iPhone. It was nothing crazy. But I mean, from that, I was able to get some pretty good information and know where to start. So um, I, I don't really see a lot of people doing that, which is kind of puzzling to me. <laughs> I can tell you that the my day job, I work for a company that we're all about getting the voice of the customer into developing products. So like, that whole yep. thing is totally the way that the market should be moving. But um, yeah, what have you learned from that? And are you going to be ordering some straps soon and setting up a Shopify? Oh yeah, it's it's going to happen. It'll be up probably in the end of summer. Um, probably be launching with uh, I'd say like five to six different types of straps to start. Um, it's definitely you know a little bit of an investment on my end to get it going. I'll get a you know website up and running pretty quickly, and um, going to be getting some really good video footage, um, you know professional video footage done of the, of the straps. I mean, I want these things. I want people when they come on the site to be like, whoa, man, this is this is really well done. I mean, just um, even up from what my YouTube content is, and I have some big plans to kind of continue to up that. So. Um, yeah, that, that's moving along really quickly. The order's in. We're just waiting for the manufacturers. Um, a lot of them are overseas, like in Europe, and um, some have been dealing with some Asian partners as well to kind of get a different you know, variety of straps and, and price points. So um, yeah, that, that's coming right along. So you guys should, if everything goes to plan, be seeing that probably like in August or so, um, maybe September at the latest. Very cool. Physical products, that's always the, the logical step to uh, <laughs> yep, yep. to grow with the audience. Well, then, so then the last thing, though, is you've been doing this interview series, which is how we met, and you had Brock on there, but you also had Alpha. You had the two biggest guys in this space. So what sparked that, and, and well, what are, who else is coming on? <laughs> so right now, uh, we have a couple people planned, but I, like you mentioned, we have I have the two pe biggest people in the space already on the channel. So got to start getting just, uh, just in more interesting people, maybe even outside of YouTube, thinking of other ways to collaborate outside of just interviews. But that idea started it um, really from my love of networking and also trying to just build credibility within my own brand. Uh, one first was, I, I guess I probably should just kind of backtrack when I say I love networking. I remember one of the key conversations I had when I was in college uh, with one of my mentors. He, he told me, and I was like telling this story, he looks at me, he's like, you know, Teddy, you should have 52 cups of coffee a year. And as a guy who just loves caffeine, I'm like, are you crazy? That's not enough to get me through like two weeks. <laughs> but his point was, you should be meeting somebody new every single week. So I looked at him like, well, that's, 
that's, that's, that's a great idea. So what I did during that time was I just met somebody new in high school or in college every single week. And it was just people that I thought were interesting, were leaders in their field. And it allowed me to really build up a network of individuals and also kind of develop credibility within myself and be able to associate with myself with those individuals. So I thought, you know, let's do the same thing with this, you know, YouTube community. There's a lot of guys out in here and, and uh, women that are doing some really cool things in the space. I'd love to connect with them. I've been even fans of them for some time. Uh, let, let's just reach out to them and see if they're just willing to just share their story. And that's kind of how I positioned it. And it also allowed me to just meet some cool people. I think it, that if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be having the opportunity I am right now to talk with you both. So um, it, it's really cool. It's really cool that it's kind of happened. And I didn't expect it to happen that quickly where I'd be able to get, you know, people like yourselves and Alpha M and um, Antonio on the channel uh, that quickly. I mean, it was just something we put together and probably like, you know, two months, two or three months ago. And uh, people have just been saying yes, because I think I've just been persistent. And I think my content uh, speaks enough for itself where people are like, yeah, I think that that's a good idea for me to come on. I do think that there is a uniqueness in, in the menswear category specifically. I know, um, you know Brock and I have talked about it. it's a little bit catty in some of like the fragrance in the watch spaces as you get really niche. But the accessibility of an Aaron Marito or an Antonio, uh, I think, is really unique. And the fact that they want to come on, um, that really stems out of Antonio's view of the, the whole group as being like, look, if there's more people doing this, it's better for all of us. And so that's right. I really appreciate them doing that. So now we do have a rapid fire session, but you've also teased that you're going to possibly change your name of your channel. Have you made <laughs> developments on that? Um, again, that was something I threw out to the viewers uh, as a potential opportunity um, with just the type of content that I'm creating still kind of being, um, it's encapsulating mostly watches, but I still want to talk about style. I'm doing some style videos coming up. So it's tough to know where the channel sits. So I don't know if I'll make a move on changing the name right now, um, but it could happen. It could happen. Um, I got a, a ton of feedback. Uh, like a lot of people filled out the form. It's crazy amount of engagement. I mean, like hundreds and hundreds of responses and all these forms that I throw out. So it, it's a really good sample size that I get and a lot of good ideas, but we'll have to wait and see about that one. Um, the other difficult thing is, you know, when is, is this going to be my personal brand forever? Like, you know, is, is it watches it is style it? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's going to, you know, is it good for me to change it? And then also I have, you know, potentially a product line coming out as well. Like, you know, th there's also some brand identity issues that come with that. Should it be its own product line? Should it be associated with the channel? So a lot of things to think about. I don't know if I'm ready to make a decision on it, but it's something, of course, you have to actively think about as we're going forward here. Absolutely. And just for some context, one of the guys that we're connected with, uh, Carl Morawski, he used to be New England Style Consulting. He went from the channel being New England Style Consulting to Carl Morawski because that's the way that he... So it's, it's always funny to kind of see how those things change, change around. Mm -hmm. So we have a session uh, called Rapid Fire. So it's just like quick questions, one or two word answers, uh, as quick as you go. Are you ready for this? Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm caffeinated. All right. Uh, Oxfords or Brogues? Oxfords. Morning shower or evening shower? Both. Both. Uh, your favorite Bond actor? Ooh. Let's go Daniel Craig. Oh, nice one. Uh, cardio or lifting? Both. You got to do both. Okay. Uh, loafers or sneakers? Sneakers. Navy suit or charcoal suit? Oh, man. Uh, I, I'd go Navy. I'd go Navy. Navy? Okay. What's the last book you read? 
Last book I read uh, was a book called uh, The Charisma Myth. Uh, it's a book about unlocking your charisma as an individual. It's, it's really interesting. I think when a lot of people think about charisma, they think of it as, uh, and now I'm going in more more question or more than uh, I probably should be talking, but it's a really interesting idea about unlocking your charisma. It's something that you can uh, teach yourself, not in um, not something you're essentially just given at, at birth. Oh, I like that. All right, last one. Uh, if you're getting in the shower and you want to get yourself pumped up, like for the start of the day, what's the song you're playing? <laughs> it's always changing. Um, let's see. Probably some Fifty Cent. Let's go back to my grade school days where I peaked, and I'll just listen to Fifty Cent all the time. <laughs> yeah, party in the club. <laughs> well, is there? Uh... Anything that you can share with us that, I mean, I guess we've kind of talked about a lot of this, but that you're excited about for the next, you know, six to 12 months on the, uh, on the channel or in your life? You know, um, I think the biggest thing for me is just developing the product line with the watch straps. I'm also working on developing a watch, uh, potentially. So that's another thing that's probably longer outside the 12 months, but just something coming on. You guys kind of got the first little peek at that. I haven't made that clear to anybody yet, so um, there you go. Um, and then, yeah, I think it's just all movement forward. It's just as much effort as I can possibly do to get you know as much content out, just being uh, as connected as I can with my audience, and just growing the channel uh, as you know we're just finding new ways to engage and potentially just develop new products uh, that can you know just help my audience and uh, what they want to do. So that's that's pretty much it for me, guys. But I really appreciate you guys having me on. It was a pleasure to have you on my channel, and um, always happy to connect here. Fantastic. Well, there's a nice little tease for you. Everybody can check out Teddy Baldassar on uh, on his channel, and you can even see when Brock and I were on there as well if you want to dive in a little bit further. But congratulations on the success, Teddy, and we look forward to uh, checking out your straps and watching you grow. 